We all speak different languages. We all communicate in different ways. We all express love in different ways. The byproduct of that means that we have certain expectations. Welcome to Reclaim Your Radiance, a sex, love, and relationship podcast where our focus is on your most important relationship, the one with yourself. Each episode, we are joined by an insightful guest who shares their story about how they've become their best, most radiant selves, despite diverse challenges. We dive into the depths of loving yourself, creating healthy relationships, and prioritizing pleasure, play, and joy, all while never shying away from the tough stuff. Are you ready? Let's get to it. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Reclaim Your Radiance. Today's episode is about love languages, the basic five love languages that most of us have come to know, laid out in the book by Gary Chapman. While we won't be specifically referencing the book's content, my very Irish guest Eden and I will be setting out to define and discuss our personal understanding and preferences concerning these languages, ranking them from our most spoken and understood to our least favorite and most baffling of the lot. As it is December, we are adding in a holiday twist, which includes discussing the so-called gift-giving season and acknowledging it for the sometimes heavy expectations that can be placed upon us due to a sudden demand to express ourselves through the use of one love language in particular that not all of us are very fluent in. In fact, gifts are usually known to be the least popular primary love language. So how did it manage to take a center stage during the holidays? Heavy expectations that dictate how and when you must show your affection to those you love isn't often a characteristic of a healthy relationship. But before we give gifts a bad rap, and trust me, I am known to do so, let's give them a chance. Let's discuss the beautiful aspects of gift giving and the ways in which we can come to understand one another better by using these five love languages in our everyday lives. Happy holidays, everyone. Enjoy. Hey, how's it going? Hi, how are you? Good. <laughs> Merry Christmas season. Happy holidays. I guess that's more what we should say. It is. It's more politically correct. But whatever you celebrate, happy celebration day. Happy coldest time of the year. And we all need to celebrate something to make ourselves inside and warm in the family. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. All right. So we are here today with our spiked eggnog. <laughs> And we are trying out two different types. So at the end, we can do a review of which one's better, the cocoa nog um, or the oat-based nog, because cow's milk is should not be drunk by humans mm-hmm. past the age of seven years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just my opinion. And we also have, as you know, our, our Irish and Canadian conversation here, we have our Irish whiskey, which our lovely guest Eden brought, as well as the uh, crown royal from the Canadian side. We're honoring both of our alcoholic heritage, <laughs> which is important. Which is important at Christmas time. As, what did you call it? The holiday drinking season? Or? Silly season. December is silly season, basically. But yes, lean in, celebrate, eat, drink, be merry. Yeah. Actually, that happened with my naturopath. She was like, oh, I mean, you should do this liver detox, but I know it's hard during the holidays. She's like, you might be able to squeeze it in these first two weeks. That's very <laughs> kind of her. That is so kind. Like, what a nice naturopath. It's like, okay, I want you to go on a liver cleanse, but it's December. I know you've stuff to do. Yeah. Lena. So she was like, do it, do it now. Like, if you start now, you'll have two <laughs> weeks before all the drinking starts. And sure enough, it was like right before all the Christmas parties started happening. So it's good. So let's start off with 
love languages. Let's start off with how we came to know them and what they are to us and how we use them and what ours are. Yeah. Um, And so I guess before we get into what ours specifically are, I just want to kind of establish for the sake of this discussion, what each love language is going to be defined as. Mm -hmm. Um, And also establish that like, it's not just about romantic love, but it's also about every type of love. It's it's so applicable, I find, to a wide spectrum of relationships. And I think if you have that in your head, it can be such a helpful tool with how you communicate in relationships and how you conduct yourself in relationships and how to control your expectation in relationships. Exactly. Right. And like, even just like with your parents, like you need Mm -hmm. to know how they will receive your love. And I mean, that's not something I've personally established with my (laughs) parents, but like, if you're listening, let's do that. I don't think my lovely Irish parents are even aware of what love languages are, but you and I were talking about this. Our first, our first foray into it when that very first conversation where that question gets asked you, what is your love language? And both of us just getting so stuck or throwing out an answer and it not being in keeping with the fact that this is an actual topic that, you know, has been around for a while and is a helpful tool that's now used by a lot of people. And I feel like everyone's so aware of it now. So I'm glad we're, I'm glad we're talking about it. Yes. So the love languages, most people listening probably know, but let's, let's just remind ourselves. So first is words of affirmation. So it's verbal acknowledgements of affection, including like a love use and compliments, words of appreciation, just like verbal encouragement. Um, and written and like just explicit statements of like, you are this to me. And like, just telling the person direct communication. <laughs> I love it. Rare, rare, <laughs> but oh my God, I've realized that like my work, like part of the reason why like my professional job is so hard is that like everybody uses passive communication. Yes. Yes. That clicked for me the other day and I went, oh shit. Like, can you just not directly tell me what you need to do, what the expectation is? And then also, like, let's directly talk about the fact that, like, let's not overdo each other's work. The whole thing. Separate separate topic. Okay. So quality time is number two. So spending, like, actively spending time with a person. So actively listening, eye contact, full presence. I think that's an important distinction between just, like, passively spending that time mm-hmm. um, and no distractions or outside interference, meaningful conversations, like recreational activities together. Um, and this one really strikes home because like when you end up living with a partner, mm-hmm. there's so much passive time with them mm-hmm. that like it doesn't actually count. I think you and I are going to have a really interesting conversation about that piece, to be mm-hmm. honest. Yeah, because that's that's a whole thing. It is a whole thing. Um, Number three is acts of service. So someone going out of their way to make your life easier. And I think that's a good distinction from gifts because like sometimes it's like, okay, is this a gift? Is this like time spent? And it's like, no, like somebody like brings you soup when you're sick or picks up your laundry or makes somehow like really thinks about what's going on in your life Mm. and makes your life easier. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And for someone who believes that actions speak louder than words. Mm gifts the hot topic of today um visual symbols of love which i kind of liked it described as like i think that's really nice i actually think the gifts gifts one gets a hard rap yeah a little bit so i think that definition is helpful it it, like gifts are gifts aren't bad gifts are really good gifts can be really thoughtful they can be a very valid expression of love especially at this time of year i think they do get a bit of a bad rap and they do attract a lot of stress and a lot of you know conflict or or you know People do get a little bit, you know, worried about gifts. 
I mean, myself included. Yeah. So I'm I'm excited to see how we take it from like, oh my God, gifts is the worst. And then like somehow transform it to like, oh, but this and this and this. Yes, I think I think if we can rescue gifts a little bit as a concept, that would be a very good Christmas gift to the world. See what I did. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Thank you. That was wonderful. <laughs> um, so yeah, gifts being visual symbols of love, not about the monetary value hopefully, mm-hmm. but about the symbolic thought behind the item mm. and the careful reflection, the deliberate choosing of the object to represent the relationship or how well you know them mm-hmm. and the emotional benefits from receiving the present. So like, oh yeah. And there's a lot to be said but behind like somebody getting something off somebody's list of just like, don't just give me your shopping list, right? Like this yeah. is just the shit you would have already bought yourself. Like yeah. give me a list of things that you like won't buy for yourself because it's too luxurious mm. or it's like, something that just lights you up, but you're like, oh, but I don't deserve that. Or even those gifts that you don't even think about mm-hmm. that someone just surprises you with and they don't have to be crazy. Like I I once had a boyfriend who gave me a poster that had been on his wall for five years that I really loved. He just took it off his wall and gave it to me. That's so and I still remember that like over a decade later and that cost him nothing, but but it was a gift. And it, but it just goes to show that they do have this really positive effect they can be these really beautiful expressions of love and I think they do get lumped in or or lumped in with the frenzy of Christmas consumerism and you know that's where we can start to maybe go astray or or you know or or the value of it can be maybe lost a little bit yeah well because I mean there's also the questions of like oh I guess okay let's say this because there's we're getting ahead of ourselves we're getting ahead of ourselves (laughs) I'm gonna try not to jump around too much because but okay, so last one. So we have, okay, let's recap. So there's <laughs> words of affirmation, quality time, acts of service, gifts, and the last one being physical touch. So feeling loved when they receive physical signs of affection, kissing, holding hands, cuddling, intimacy. And these roots often really go back to childhood and like just all the childhood experiences and trauma and what have you. And like people only feeling deep affection from their caregivers when they're held, kissed, or touched. Um, but then there's just so many nuances to that. And this one is like the most difficult to navigate, I find. Mm. And just because like it's, I don't know, I would argue that it's a essential part of human everything. And so it's. But it can just be so sensitive sometimes. Oh, my God. And like people can't be touched here because there's this thing that's underneath the skin that they don't know about Mm. and they're like not in tune with their bodies and so they don't know why they're reacting that way but like oh my gosh if you touch me on my elbow there's a subconscious thought that goes back to this moment where you were teased by your brother and they pulled your elbow you know like it's just so so interconnected and you have no idea what's going on underneath the surface absolutely absolutely yeah so what are your love languages (gasps) okay well I want to start by saying I think I think there's a part of me that connects with all of them Like, you know, whenever any sort of expression of love that is manifested via one of these languages is always really positively received by me, obviously, depending what it is. But I even as you were like described, even maybe it's your descriptions that I find myself connecting with very well. But I I do find myself connecting to a lot of them. I would say for me, I have a couple. Do you have a couple? Oh, yeah. I mean, like rank them, really, because it's like. I think all of us connect with all of them on some level, Mm -hmm. but it's really about like, which one's your top, which one's your bottom. And like, you can even give them like degrees. Like this one is like way above the others. Mm -hmm. And then, or like these ones are kind of neck and neck at the top. And then you kind of like sink down a bit and it's like, okay, down here is like the other ones. I mean, sometimes I don't know where I stand in terms of ranking, but today my knee jerk reaction 
it's probably quality time. And maybe it's because like the stage of life that I'm in. And that's why I think it's also important to view this through the lens of every relationship in your life, not just your romantic relationships, where friends or partners or family members go out of their way and just show up for that quality time with me. It feels like they're carving out a tiny bit of space in their life where they want to put me in it. And there's something about that, I think, that really makes it soar up top, you know, completely in my life. But it's probably the one I take the most for granted as well. Yeah. Time is our most valuable resource. Totally. And so giving your time to someone is the most valuable thing you can do. That's how I see it. Yeah. And do you, know, do you want to know what's funny, which I only thought about recently? Your sense of time can completely change depending on where you are in your life and the age you are with your life. Mm-hmm. So for instance, like someone who's slightly older, like my grandmother, for instance, there's a lot of things she says no to now because she thinks to herself, the amount of time I have left on this world is in this world is just shorter. It just is. So therefore, her concept of time is so much, she feels it so much more acutely than I do. So what she chooses to do with that time and how she chooses to spend it is it's completely loaded or or it takes on a completely different meaning than someone in their 20s or someone in their 30s, where you're where you do have that sense of inv- invincibility and therefore you do think you're going to be around forever. Mm-hmm. So you probably do waste a lot of time. But I think that's what youth is. I think it is a lot of time wasting. But anyway, back to so that would probably be sort of the top of my list. But, you know. It's the one that we most take for granted. And I, you touched upon it recently when you're living with a partner. Yes. Yeah. So for, I guess we can just go through, We I, I expect we have the same love languages order. Too. So we can just like talk about them. Yeah, actually. Should we go through them one by one or should we just? Yeah, I guess so. So yeah, like starting with quality time that like, oh my gosh. And, and this was a very good argument that uh, my ex had, like that we, we lived together for like a, a good 16 months or so. And that like we spent so much passive time together, like in the same space, but not actively spending time together that we then stopped spending quality time Mm -hmm. because we were like, oh, but we're already sick of each other. Or like we've seen each other too much or like we would just forget to go spend that special time. Yeah. So it really diluted that like top love language for both of us. Uh, Totally. And I also, I also felt that too. And another interesting aspect of that I found was the last two years with the pandemic when you know that you whether you lived with a, an intimate partner or not or whether you lived with a roommate or not or a friend or a family member you were they were your primary person the primary person who was in your life who shared your space who shared like all of your time and you you basically like 90 percent of your time I would say would would have said at various points during the pandemic was spent with that one person so not that you didn't want to spend time with them but your reason to do so didn't feel like it was existent at various points. And when you're living with a partner, for instance, that quality time can be so important to like the health, the internal health of your relationship, I would say. Like carving out time to go on a date night or take an adventure together or take a trip or even just do something simple or silly like, you know, I don't know play a board game or, or, you know, watch it, watch a stupid YouTube video together, watch hot wings, <laughs> whatever. Um, but that's what I found a combination of the pandemic exacerbating all of this. And then just the constant day to day humdrum being shared with that one person, you didn't feel as much of a need. You didn't feel like quality time was a need. 
And I actually, it's funny, I was, this cropped up for me with a therapist who kind of reaffirmed this importance to me, which was quality time is not the same as time spent in each other's company. Yes, absolutely. And that's why I love that definition of like, this is time where you're actively with the person, you're actively listening, you're giving eye contact, you are there, Mm -hmm. you're just full presence, which like, I mean, all of us, I think have a little trouble doing, but yeah, just like put the phone away. Like, you know, I'm glad you mentioned phone because that's another thing we should like probably talk about is how much does our, how much do our phones impinge on our quality time because say for instance right like there there's been a number of evenings where i said to my my former partner now um let's sit down and like watch a movie and we'll sit down and watch a movie and my phone is there mm-hmm. there's no it never occurred to us to sort of say okay we're going to watch a movie for 90 minutes 2 hours whatever it is let's put our phones like in a place where we can't see them and sit and concentrate on this mm-hmm. and we never did that uh, like rightly or wrongly, but I often think to myself, what would your experience be different if you did that? Like, would you be more focused on the movie? Would you be taking more from it? Would you be more focused on your partner? Would you be more inclined to, you know, put your arm around them or snuggle into their shoulder or, you know, or even with like a roommate or a friend, you know, would you be more inclined to sort of turn to each other and talk and react to that movie together? Wait, so are you saying that like you would have your phone out and you would be looking at your phone actively during the movie? I wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought that I would have been looking at it actively, but it would have been on the coffee table Mm. or on the sofa beside me. And I might see a notification or hear a buzz. Well, that's why, yeah, it's key to turn your phone over. I always flip my phone over on a desk and like, it's usually, yeah. And then like you turn it off. Do you find though, even if it's there, it's almost like muscle memory. Your arm just goes for it sometimes, whether you want to or not. Sometimes, usually in a moment of boredom. I wouldn't say that I had the same struggle with movies because, yeah, like for me, it's very much like even if my phone's on the table, like so is the remote, so is mm. whatever else is on the table. And just like, yeah, like I'm actively there with the person. And when we decide to like the, the, the big moment, like we bought a TV, even though like neither of us watched the tv very much it was just like we wanted to have moments where our movies felt more impactful Mm. like even though we probably watched a total of like 10 to 15 movies in two years together it was still like okay let's because we used to have to watch it on like a little like laptop or something which like took away the epicness of the movie but then like also i mean we were still present with it but yeah just like being able to be like this is a thing we're doing together like we're gonna snuggle up we're gonna yeah react together do all the things that make it so much more of a together time than just like a oh yeah we're just like kind of passively watching this totally together. but I think the intent the intention behind that is key so when you're like if, if quality time is something that you do think to yourself okay I want this is this is a love language I want to express more mm-hmm. I think having that as an intention and so it can be less mindless so something like you don't even have to leave the house okay we're going to sit down we're going to watch you know 30 minutes of brooklyn 99 whatever it is and it's we're not going to just have it on while we're eating our dinner we're not going to you know just lash it on and just have the phones beside us and just be you know on instagram while we're doing it um it's sort of okay why why am i doing this yes i want to watch 30 minutes of of an entertaining television show but i also want to watch it with someone and i want to have that experience because there is a great sense of as you get older, thinking to yourself, oh, I could have spent my time a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Like think of like the mornings where you wake up beside someone and you're on your phone and that's a time for a cuddle or a chat or a coffee or, or something. And there's so many mornings where w- we miss out on that experience. Yeah. And like 
I don't know about you, but the time kind of disappears. Like say I got distracted by my phone, like I'm supposed to be working. And then like, I get distracted by my phone. And then like that time is just gone. Yeah. Like I like blink and it's like 40 minutes later and I'm like, oh shit. Like, I don't even know what I was doing. And like, I, I guess we're kind of getting to the poisonness of phones here, but like, yeah. Anyways, like, but they are an enemy to it. They are an enemy to it. And, and actually like, so another point in this category is like, for example, one of my best friends, we don't always have the time to share like the same space together, but we send each other really long voice notes. Yeah. And that for him counts as time spent as quality time. And so like, and it's so funny because we'll be like apologizing for sending like 12 minute like voice notes. And like at the end, we're just like, sorry, but like, I love you. Bye. But the response is always like, thank you for that. That was wonderful. I loved walk, like taking my midday walk and like listening to you. I couldn't agree with that more. And and that's something that I treasure because obviously a lot of my close friends are in Ireland and me and my best friend in particular just send each other long, windy voice. So much so that when it hits five minutes, we stop and then we start and do another one mm-hmm. because we're, we're conscious that, you know, you might have 15 minutes to sit down and listen. But I agree with what your friend said. That in itself is an act of time where you're sort of, you might be walking or you might be just doing a little bit of house chores or whatever, but you you are, you, you have pressed the button to talk to someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, voice notes are the new best fucking thing. They are. I know they've been around for ages, but they are, they're the fantastic. Best. They're fantastic. That perfect middle point between texting and phone calls. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we both established quality time is our favorite. Is that your number one too? That is my number one. Okay. Um, what's your number two? I think it's acts of service. Interesting. Okay. All right. Let's talk about acts of service then. I, I think physical touch for me is up there. But physical touch almost feels like its own entity on the side. It's like, I just need this. Yeah. And like, and I'm still trying to figure it's out. It's not a standalone. It's something that like yeah. you basically, like you want sort of almost to apply to how you live your life or or all your relationships essentially. Right. But I guess at the same, in the same way, like, okay, say you're at a party and there's 25 people there and you spend an hour talking to somebody like one-on-one, let's go. That is definite way to show affection somebody walking by me and like brushing me on the arm tells me they're thinking about me tells me they like me or that like I matter to them but that is not even close to the same thing Mm. so I guess in that way it's not as important Mm -hmm. I think yeah I think acts of service are are getting higher okay let's talk about acts of service Mm. I think the reason why I value this so much is because that is a way that I tend to show love a lot so I don't I don't even know where it comes from I think from where I grew up in Ireland, it's a very, it's a very kind of familial culture. It's a very community orientated culture. And I grew up in a small rural community. There was an awful lot of, oh, here's some tomatoes that I grew. I have too many. Or I'm I'm running low on sugar, run across the street to see if Mary has some extra. Like that is kind of the that that is a culture where I was brought up. So I was trained to do that from an early age just by watching, just by knowing that, okay so-and-so is sick, so-and-so has lost a parent. You know, I've seen friends, neighbors, family members show up unannounced, take the bins out, empty dishwasher, bring lasagna, not because they, for lots of reasons, but number one being it's just the thing to do. And being in, in receipt of that, I often say whenever someone's grieving or going through a hard time, don't text them and ask them what they can do. Just do it. Mm-hmm. Just just do that active service and, and think of it as an active service. Don't 
be just 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 look at it as this is how I'm going to express my love to this person. I think that is that that's what they need the most. I'm just going to do it. They don't need they don't need me to finalize it with them whether it's okay. That acts of service are they exist as a standalone thing that you do for another person, whether it's okay or not. And sometimes it's not, sometimes it well, do, yeah, yeah, then it enters into consent, right? Where yeah. it's like, okay, it can't pass any consent lines and they still have to be able to say no. Of course. But yeah, like even just the way that like I came over earlier this week to you and like, totally. it, like I was like, hey, what can I bring? And you're like, oh, don't worry, don't bring anything. So of course I brought like three different things because like, that's just... Right? Like, I'm not listening to that no, because you don't know what you want. You don't know what you need until I'm like, I think this would be lovely. And you're like, oh my gosh, yes. But that's a classic example of an act of service. There was no sort of, I don't even know if you gave too much thought to it. You just said, she was like, oh, that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to bring this. And, you know, and that's essentially what it is. It's you, you're in the frame of mind of serving another. You're thinking about what they need. You're thinking about what would make their life a little bit easier. Yeah. You're not, and you know, you're hoping that it you don't miss the mark too much. Often it's not perfect, but I think, I think the act in itself is so appreciated. Well, yeah. it's, it's knowing that somebody was thinking about you. Mm. That's what all of this is, right? It's knowing that somebody was thinking about you and wanted to spend the time with you. And that like the same as like knowing that somebody was thinking about you and then did like went out of their way to do something that took effort yeah. to then bring it to you. And I, oh my gosh, I just need to like what you're talking about with like your upbringing and like just, just having that like easy flow of people giving acts of service all the time. It was like melting my heart and also breaking my heart all at the same time, because like, that is not something I experienced at all. Like I grew up in like, not rural. I grew up in like the middle of a decently sized town in Canada where like, actually it's one of the major cities, but it feels like a decently small town on like a world scale. And like, it just, I knew all my neighbors, which was rare. And I played with all the neighborhood kids, but it's still just like, we didn't have that sort of flow. Mm. And like, that wasn't, I think acts of service has been an interesting one that I've had to teach myself to do. I see. It didn't, it it wasn't something that you just picked up by virtue of where you were. Cause like quality time I picked up by like from my parents from Mm -hmm. like that that is something I picked up of like and also just yeah it just makes so much sense like I think it is actually rated as the top love language by surveys it is rated as the top but but it's funny that you say that and actually I think that's a really interesting point of conversation because I don't know if acts of service is crazy high for a lot of people Mm -hmm. and it is for me and I, I do think it comes from basically where I was born and where I was brought up. But Ireland is unique in the sense that it's a country of less than 5 million people. It's an island. You can drive across it in less than three hours. People live on top of each other. Most people know their grandparents. Most people know their cousins, cousins who go to school. And like everyone just knows each other. Mm -hmm. So when you have that kind of environment, that's where it's a Petri dish for these kinds of acts of service, I would say. Whereas Canada... By is is completely the opposite. Obviously, it's a, such a kind, caring place, but it's massive. Mm-hmm. It's geographically massive. People live from one end of this crazy landmass to another. A lot of kids aren't close to their grandparents, or you know, a lot don't really know their neighbors, or live in these big, intense urban areas where you know you live in a twenty-floor building, but you don't know anyone in that building. So there has to be compassion for where it was 
that you picked up, you learned these languages because it's a language like anything else. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's no different than French. But I find that of service one is funny for me because it's one that I really value both in the giving of it and the receiving of it. Mm-hmm. But I find that because it isn't as much of a thing here, I tend to have an expectation for it that isn't met here, that isn't necessarily anyone's fault. So for an example, like an example would be, I'll go into work and I'll, you know, so-and-so, like a, a person I work with is sick and I'll give them a get well soon card or something. Because because that's just kind that's of... That's adorable. Well, it's like, it, it's just something I don't even think about. I'll be in Dollarama and I'll be like, oh, I'll, I'll, and my mom, my mom does this too. We'll buy cards that will just keep for the future for when someone has a baby or someone's sick or something like just when you think of it so I'll drop that in and I'll see when I'll give it to someone don't get me wrong they're so appreciative but it's unusual Mm -hmm. and like it's it's not it's not a common thing so therefore when I'm in a place of need where an active service would be very beneficial Mm -hmm. I'm living in a country where that isn't the number one language you know, but now don't get me wrong. I have amazing friends who like just are, are really good at it anyway. So it's not like I'm disappointed, but it's like living in a country where the language that you speak the most isn't the first language. Oh my gosh. I never thought about it like that before. So it is an adjustment. Like you do have to sort of learn, like you have to lean into other ways of expression. You have to adjust your expectation to receive the kind of expressions that are more prominent. But I do really hope that you continue to express it in that way. Oh, totally. Like even, even though sometimes it can probably get a little bit sad because it's like you do this for others and you're like, but when it's my time, it's not done for me, which of course is not the point. It's not reciprocation based, but like, I really hope that you continue to do that because somebody who receives a get well card from you randomly, is going to think to do it and then maybe it'll start. Totally. But this applies to like so many other love languages, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, it really does where you could, you could, where you are in your life, both in terms of time, area, space, there might be one more language that's more readily available than the other, or the one that you're more used to may not be one that is so commonly used. Right. And like the love languages are languages and you need to learn how to speak them. Yeah. And how to understand them. How to communicate. And how to communicate them. Oh, yes. Okay. Um, an interesting point that is connected to all of them in my mind, but like specifically acts of service personally is like, I've started realizing that there's certain ones that I need at certain times. And so being able to like know that about myself and then communicate that I had a really lovely moment with somebody where we were in conflict and I was able to be like, okay, actually, no, ooh, it wasn't about acts of service, but it was probably about the next one. I'm guessing maybe that we'll go into. We just had like a conflict and like, you can't just like touch me and make it go away. Like, that's not what I need. Like we're already spending time together. So like, you can't show me quality time right now. Like, but what I needed was words of affirmation, like uh, an act of service would have maybe done it, but being able to recognize like in this situation, I need words of affirmation to make myself Mm -hmm. or to, to rectify this. Like, this is how you need to communicate to me in this moment to make me feel okay Mm -hmm. or better. Or like the, I mean, obviously the okayness is going to come from myself, but like as much as you're able to do in this. Yeah. And like, even just like acts of service, the same as like when I'm sick, acts of service is what I need the most. Yeah. When you're feeling like a little bit low or a little bit vulnerable or something, right? Like if I'm on my period and like crouched on the couch, like 
like honestly in my next relationship I'm definitely just gonna like have my we'll have our calendar like our shared calendar whatever and like I'll put when my period's expected in it because like I'll want them to and then I'll like teach them like what's gonna happen or what typically happens in like each week of my cycle and during this time like I might be avoidant or whatever else but just like don't say anything come up to me cuddle me but it's fun it's funny that you're talking about this because this when I was thinking about love languages earlier one of the things I thought about was does the authenticity of the expression matter to you? Yes. Right. Because you can't tell somebody to do it. That's they need to express it in their own way. Some like sometimes. So that's another thing that I've encountered is that is and especially if we go back to say, for example, the word the acts of service piece, where I might be in a little bit of a vulnerable situation and actually an act of service would be the thing that I need the most, just how you described. Mm-hmm. But I might be in the like say for instance my live-in partner my live-in partner might not be in tune with what I need because just by virtue of the fact that we're both different humans but also that might not be the particular love language that they're reaching to at that moment but I might get a word of affirmation at that point or I might get a gift they might tell me listen you're you're great I love you you know you will get through this or something which is so helpful it may not have been what I wanted, but an inauthentic act of service, I think would have been worse than a really genuinely meant word of affirmation. Absolutely. I I agree. Like you need to leave space for people to express it how they want to, but I think there's value in saying, this is what would suit me best in these moments, like telling these things ahead of time or like having moments to have this discussion when you're not in these situations, right? It's not like I'm sick, please bring me soup like that. That's No. no longer an act of service. Yeah. That's something else. But having it known what your preferred is so they now have the choice to do that for you and if they choose to not or if they forget or whatever else like that's totally fine but it's like the same as like having sex with somebody and like they know that one of your favorite things is this right and so like if they did it for you every single time it wouldn't be as special totally right and so it's like that moment where it's like oh yes like they did this thing i love in bed last night like fuck yes like they really were in it you know like it's that kind of moment where they can show like the extra special times or like they're really showing up for you because they're doing this thing that they know you love and you know that they know that you love it and so that you can see it and you're like it's extra special because they're doing it for me versus like they're just showing up for you in the way that's easiest for them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. but yeah that's an excellent point of like right and it's like do you try to mold to your like the other person's let's just say partners like love language or do you like ask like do you give the ones that each person needs or do you like I honestly honestly, I've thought about this I think the strength in these five languages as a tool is to more effectively ensure your communication with someone and communication in a relationship it's like a dance Mm -hmm. sometimes it's great sometimes it's off sometimes you misstep sometimes you don't but you're just constantly moving trying to meet the other where you're at with with that kind of communication so I don't think molding is the right way to go about it, but I think sort of saying, I really value this. And because I really value this, I almost expect it from a relationship. I know it's an unreasonable expectation, Mm -hmm. but what if that was to be more of a feature? Would that be possible? 
Yeah, right. I have a really good example for like words of affirmation if we want to talk about that. Okay, yeah, let's go to words of affirmation. Is that your number three? I think it might be. I'm not sure. Right? It's hard to know. I I feel like ranking them is like a kind of shitty way to do it. It's more like, when do you communicate this way and how do you receive it? I don't know. I mean... Don't get me wrong. There is there is a subtle ranking there. There, there are is. ones that you do value more than others. I think I don't know if they can be ranked per se, or the ranking will just change so frequently that the pointless that the exercise is kind of pointless. It's right. That's true. It's like this is always going to be changing. It's not like this person yeah. receives it this way. Like no, like it's just certain times in your life that you need yeah. certain ones. So yeah, let's go to words of affirmation. Yeah, it's fairly high for me. Mm-hmm. Like it's fairly important. Sometimes I think it's given a bad stigma. If somebody's like, oh, I need words of affirmation. In what sense? Because you're almost like digging for compliments or you don't trust somebody just loves you because they brought you soup. You need to be told that they love you. And it's like almost like an insecure thing. Yeah. I think there's that kind of stigma that goes with it. Mm -hmm. Whereas like, I, I don't think that's fair. I think it's just like very much what it is. Take it for what it is that you just need to be told. You need to hear the words. And that's what really convinces your nervous system that you are loved or that this is true or that this person has affection for you. Mm -hmm. I'm inclined to agree with that too. Mm -hmm. I think there is something that's very magical about hearing from someone that they love you Mm -hmm. as opposed to, I mean, the most important thing is how they show it. Don't get me wrong, but actually hearing it and knowing that and having that because especially you know, within the recesses of our own mind, there can be an awful lot of negative thinking or dark thoughts or patterns of thinking that aren't reflective of how you are functioning in the real world, both individually and with others. So I think when someone does, when you do hear that, when someone does tell you, you're great, you're wonderful, or you got this, or you will be okay, you're not okay now, but you will be, that can pull you out of a very bad place sometimes. That can be incredibly valuable. And it isn't fishing for compliments particularly. It can be grasping a lifeline. Absolutely. I very much agree. I, the thing that comes up for me around this is saying something too often or saying something in moments where, so like diluting the the value of the words. So like if somebody, every single time you hang up, with somebody you're like, I love you. Bye. Or like you leave and you're like, I love it. And like, sometimes there's like, there's not even an emotion behind the word anymore. Cause I've, I've observed that with some people I know. And it's like, I don't even know that you're actually saying it anymore. Mm-hmm. You're just going through the motions, which is why, because I observed that so much and I didn't like it. I, with one of my earlier partners in life, like I was very much like, don't say this to me too often. And it was specifically the, I love you. I was like, I, I want you to share it or I want you to save it for moments that you really mean it. That's so interesting that that was your instinct because I recently was talking to a friend about this and she said the exact same thing that she didn't want to hear it like an awful lot because she was worried about diluting the value of it between her and her romantic partner. So what they've done, they're married now, is they say to each other, I'm in love with you because you can love a lot of things. You can love pizza. You can love your grandma. You can love, you know, your friend your very close friend and the word love is too diluted it, it well it, it's just so wide used yeah. and it should be used because you should be able to love an awful lot of things mm-hmm. so how they can and they didn't want to 
stop. They didn't want to reserve love to the exclusion of other things that you naturally love mm. for their solo romantic relationship. Mm. So what they did was they changed the wording of it slightly so that when they go to tell each other they love each other, they say, oh, I'm in love with you. And even hearing yes. I'm in love with you or I'm falling in love with you because we don't hear it as often, that can really light a fire. You know what? Yes. I oh, yeah, I, I really like the I'm in love with you, though, because that really you need to feel it to be able to say that. Yeah. You can't be in an argument and be like, I'm in love with you. Because even when you're in conflict, you still love the other person. Like you break up, you're still in love with the other person. Like it doesn't just disappear. Yeah. It's always there. So saying it is like, yeah, okay, that's, that's there. Like, and it's like, yeah, of course it's there. Like, yes, I know that. Thank you for saying it. I, I know it's there, but saying like, I'm in love with you, like in this moment, it really like drops you into the present. It really does. And actually another interesting take on this is that because we're so used to saying, I love you. Like I've sometimes been in casual interactions with acquaintances who I probably don't love, or I like them a lot. (laughs) And they probably like me a lot, but they don't love me. And then they say, okay, love you. And I, and Mm. I know, and they know, and it's sort of at times I've gone, crap, is that, is this now something that you just say? And the the worry I have on, I have for this is what if it leads to a point where you start saying it and you don't mean it. Exactly. And then, you know, you can get into that pattern where you fear that somebody else is telling you they love you and you don't believe them. Which, and actually this segues nicely into that example I wanted to give for like the words of affirmation, which is from my previous relationship, which I, I think I talked to you an awful lot about. We'd been together for quite a long time and I still hadn't heard the album for want of a better word oh my god I forgot about this yes that was several years ago it was several years ago and I was losing sleep over it because I felt it pretty quickly and I'm one of those people where it gives me such delight and thrill to say it when I mean it I can't wait to say it Mm -hmm. so I said it fast and I didn't hear it for about a year and honestly, and for someone who I like words of affirmation just as much. And l- listen, I was getting a lot of words of, I was getting a lot of genuine love languages. I was receiving an awful lot of genuine love languages that made me keenly aware that he loved me and I wasn't wasting my time. But I did bring it up with some friends and they were, the reaction I got was, well, what are you doing? And when I, but then I had a conversation with my then partner read it. And one of the things he said was, I don't want to say it unless I fully know I mean it. And once we had that conversation where it was clarified to me, listen, you know, I, I really value this. I love where this is going. You're the only one I want to be with at the moment. So I got other words of affirmation that dropped me into the moment to understand that I was in a very loving situation and I wasn't wasting my time. Mm -hmm. And actually It was the best thing in the world because when he did say it, my God, there were fireworks going off. But I, but you know, you truly know. And then he said it to me and I go, oh, I know. And really, you know, all along, you know, when someone truly loves you. But the fact that I was told, I really don't want to say this until I mean it made me realize, okay, I'm happily, I'm happy accepting that because I would rather hear it genuinely than hear it and maybe it not be real. Absolutely. Right. And like, and ultimately you just gotta just trust that what they're doing and what they're saying is real. Like Mm -hmm. if they tell you who they are, believe them. And if they text you, they wanted to text you. If they spend time with you, they wanted to spend time with you. Stop questioning it, whether or not it's real or not, just accept what it is. And it's their responsibility to act with integrity of what 
they are and what they want. And that's another example of how it is a dance and how you can't really manipulate what kind of language is going to be the form of expression of whatever person you're in a relationship with at that moment in time. And it is a case of kind of adjusting and modifying and but still expressing what you feel to be authentic and genuine in that moment too. Absolutely. And like knowing your partner or your ex-partner now, like so much better, that makes so much sense that he took a long time. Of course. Of course. <laughs> but okay. So hilarious. Okay. So kind of related to that of the, I love you's being at different times and that kind of like stress and like what that puts on a relationship. My very first relationship, like my high school boyfriend, he said it to me so early and I did not feel it when he said it to me. And even I was pretty sure that he didn't know what he was saying either. And he said it in not the best timing either. He was like getting out of the car and I was dropping him off. And he said it to me through the window. And I was like, I forget what I said, but I was just so flummoxed. This is so in a, what? Yeah. And it was just like kind of thrown out there. And then he then used it. I mean, again, such a like young relationship, like we were 17. Still, there was just that unfairness. And I remembered that so heavily of being pressured and being like, I'm pretty sure I had like a conversation with my friends. Do I love him? Like convincing myself to say it because it just gotten so awkward in the relationship. Well, that's a good question. Have you ever said it and not meant it? I think with him, I did. Yeah. Sorry if you're listening to this. I really doubt you are. (laughs) I really, I don't think I meant it, Mm. which it's never happened to me since. But when it happened in the other direction, when I said it, because I knew really earlier on and it took my partner like quite a bit longer. I remember we were like lying in bed one night and everything was dark. And it was just, I could tell that he just felt like really safe in this moment to open up. And he was just like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I haven't said it. I feel it. I know it's coming soon, but it's just not there yet. But all those, all of those sentences, if I was in that situation would mean so much more to me. Right. And, but I also like, I didn't, I genuinely was like, I take your time. I would never pressure you. Like it doesn't like, right. And he was just so comforted by that. He was so, so happy that that helped him with his own feelings and to get there on his own terms and in his own way. And let's clarify, it is completely fine to be in a romantic relationship without the album. Of course. It absolutely is. Actually, Love Island season, the (laughs) most recent season, they actually had such a good, so I'm an avid watcher. It's one of my least favorite qualities about myself is how much I love Love Island. But there were a couple on the show this year who actually came up with such a good solution for that. They, before dropping the album, and I you know, dropping the album, that, that phrase in itself is problematic. For, for those who can't see her, which is all of you listening, um, she's doing like the little air bunny quotes <laughs> when she's saying love bomb, which I think is really adorable. And I just wanted you to know. <laughs> so if you're in a relationship with someone, a romantic relationship with someone, and you're working towards saying I love you for the first time or dropping the album, and you, you really, really like them, but you don't know if you love them, but you want to let them know that, you know, that's where you're headed. Mm. A good thing to say in that moment is elephant juice. What? Because as you say elephant juice, it, your lips look like you're saying I love you. Okay. Yeah. All right. So it's a good way of saying, yeah, you just said elephant juice and it looked like I love you. So it's kind of a good like hint, elephant juice, as in I, I will love you one day. I'm working towards it. Uh, I still will go with like, I adore you and things that are like really similar, like, oh, or like, I love when you do this. Like, yeah. right? it's like... Okay, while we're on this, I just want to tell one last first I love you story because it's fucking great. This is the first person that, yeah, this is my my first love. 
And oh my gosh, we were having this like really big party that we we're like all of the end, like first year engineers were in because we had just done our first calculus midterm. And these calculus midterms were fucking hard. And like everybody studied their brains out. And then we all just got shit faced afterwards because we all knew that we probably came so close to failing and they'd have to bell curve us all because it's so impossible. But like all of us got through it together. And this is the beauty of engineering. So I loved it. And so we were at this party and he was drunk and we had only been, we met probably like a month and a half before that, but like everything is so like compounded because we just spent so much time together, like in the same residence and stuff like that. And so he was really getting quite wasted too early in the night. He ends up like bent over the toilet, puking his guts out. And he just like turns to me like between pukes and he looks at me, he's like, I love you. Nice. And I, of course, I'm like, I know. <laughs> I'm just like patting his head and he just like keeps puking. I'm like, of course I knew that. Like, but it was, it was just like that. And then it was always our joke that I Han soloed him. Well, the, actually, just going back to like, you know, the I love you and I know being the response. So you can know that someone loves you before they say it, mm-hmm. which is another interesting way of looking at all these love languages as a composite way of expressing love for someone. So you can know that someone loves you through acts of service, through quality time, through the various things that they do that show how much they love you. So that when the I love you does come, there's nothing else to say, but I know, and I've known for a long time, I probably knew before you. Yeah. Honestly, you probably do. So that that's why I think it's good that there are five of them. <laughs> right? It's so diverse. <laughs> Is there anything else we want to say on words of affirmation? Just that I love you. I love you too. And that's genuine. And we can feel it. And we know it. Yeah, no. And I love you between a friend that's fake is like cringeworthy. Ugh. Right? And it sucks because sometimes you feel the need it's to say it. Sometimes you feel the need to say it back. Yeah. Well, actually, with words of affirmation, even if, if that's your lo- love language of communication, if that's your number one way that you show love, it's good to read a person before doing that because I think words of affirmation can be the love language that perhaps can can yield a tricky reaction. It can. And I guess who are we to say that somebody who says I love you isn't actually feeling it the way that they feel it? Yeah. Right? Like it's such an arbitrary thing that we all feel inside that. Or someone could be in the mindset where they're not ready to hear what it is you want to tell them. Mm. Or you do you find that sometimes some individuals when communicating with words of affirmation, it can almost come across as a little bit incessant. God, you're beautiful. You're, you're this, 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 and the other. And it can almost feel like a little bit too much. Yeah, it definitely, definitely can. Okay. So I guess that's, uh, that's the words of affirmation. Beautiful way to express love, but yeah, it can be a little bit too much sometimes if you don't quite understand the language that they're speaking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we now have physical touch. Mm-hmm. That's another one where I've had to teach myself that, and like, I'm honestly not even sure where it falls. I know it's incredibly important to me, especially in a romantic relationship. And that is how I will show it. I'm figuring out more how to bring it into non-romantic relationships because like, sometimes I feel the need to ask consent. And then there's just, there is this barrier that you then reach with friends where like you've passed over the I don't always need to ask for consent when I physically touch you Mm -hmm. because we're close enough where I I know that you always love this, or I know that like, that this, these are appreciated in these moments. 
And not to say that there should ever be really blanket consent, but we've all kind of given it where it's like, it's always a yes, I'll tell you if it's a no. Mm -hmm. And you trust that that person's going to give you the no if it is that in that moment. It's another language that can yield like a tricky reaction, depending on the person that you're with, depending on the type of interaction it is. You know, I'll be walking into a job interview. A hug is not appropriate. You could be a hugger, but you know, in that in that case, a really strong handshake is the most physical touch that can be handled in that moment. But it's interesting that it's something that comes very naturally to you when you're in kind of romantic relationships and it's something there that you're trying to apply to non-romantic relationships. With me, it's probably the opposite. Mm, interesting. Yeah. So I would have been wouldn't have grown up in a tactile family but I would have had a lot of physical affection but again smaller country smaller people in my like not as many people in my life so I knew them all better it made more sense to be a hugger you know or to hug people upon greeting them or to see comfort from them or to put your head on their shoulder Mm -hmm. that was a lot more natural because you did have a lot more closeness whereas when our social circles circles are an awful lot bigger and we're interacting more with acquaintances, potential friends rather, rather than real friends. That's where there is a greater need for barriers, etc. But when it comes to romantic relationships, I think it's, and this is like, so this, we could, we could do a whole podcast episode on this, honestly. But yeah. But it's like, maybe because in Ireland's quite a re- repressive country sexually, there can be a bit of a struggle as to what physical touch is okay from maybe a shame perspective. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, and and that's only something that I'm realizing as I get older. Wow. Okay. Thank you. Cause that is like the complete opposite. Whereas in your perspective, bigger country, you, you probably knew way more people than me, your social circles, your communities were like so much bigger, but you were in a completely less repressive country sexually like for the amount of time that I've known you you've always been quite comfortable with expressing yourself sexually much more than I am I think I think what it really comes down to though is that like I was shown examples so many times through media but through my own circles that like oh when you're in a relationship you touch and you hold hands and and then yeah there's a whole element of like sexual openness and comfortability with that and like less shame around my body and like how I was brought up or just how I was just innately because sometimes I look at my circles and um, what I was taught and I'm like I don't know that this was actually taught to me I think this was just a part of me Mm -hmm. or like I must have learned it somehow but like just like an innate comfortability with my body and with certain things was just there when it came to family we did hug but it was like I don't know it just didn't it didn't have the same sort of intimacy. And so like learning intimacy through physical touch in a non-romantic way is something I've really had to do and something I'm still working on. Mm-hmm. And it's something that touches so in- essential. Like think about the pandemic again, like how like that was literally all of us were melting inside when we were yeah. like, we can't touch people. And like people were like, I haven't touched another human. Hor- it was horrendous. It was horrendous. Like that was the worst part when somebody's like, I don't have someone I can hug. I remember having people be like, oh, I haven't hugged somebody in like four months. And I'm like, you need to find someone in your life who you can trust to hug. Like, I don't care if it's a pandemic, you've got to have somebody, everybody's got to have somebody where you can go and just hold hands and that like electric fucking magic that happens between fingertips when people touch, like it's just non-negotiable. Well, 
Two things I want to add to that. Number one, I remember when I went to a counsellor in Ireland and I remember I must have been quite low or, or feeling quite isolated. And she, her advice to me was to lean more into physical touch. And she, her advice to me was to literally, because I, I think at the time, like there was probably a bit of body dysmorphia. There was probably like a lot of issues that basically take you outside your body and more into your head. So the goal was to literally try and plant yourself back into your own body. And the best way to do that is through physical touch. Mm-hmm. Because, and that this links into the second part of what I'm saying. I don't know if touch is something that should be thought about a lot. Obviously it should from a consent perspective, but in terms of, in terms of the natural flow of it, it's muscle memory. It's, yeah. it's your body. It's, I think it's almost thought and touch are sort of opposite sides of the same pole in a little ways. But anyway, she, she advised that I basically after my shower each night, when I go to moisturize my body, like paying attention, really stroking slow circles, grabbing my fingers, grabbing my shoulders, you know, moving slowly, feeling what my thighs are actually like, feeling what my calves are actually like and and really taking my time. And it was really trans like doing it was quite transformative. And then another thing that she recommended was to go get massaged. A lot of people may not have someone in their lives who they're comfortable hugging with often if even at all. So it's important to kind of lean into things that where it's it's important to try and think of ways where you can get that touch in a non-threatening, non-sexual, non-intimate way, but in the same way that generates a real benefit. And massage is quite a good one. Those are both just such excellent examples. And that brings me into, we're talking about how to express these languages to other people. But ultimately, like, we need to learn how to express these languages to ourselves. Absolutely. And in our own relationship with ourselves. Such a good point. Hello, the topic of this whole podcast, loving yourself first, right? Physical touch on yourself. And like, how often do we remember to really touch ourselves and not in like a masturbatory way? Like, we can remember to masturbate, but like, when you masturbate, are you just going like straight for the moneymaker? Are you just like taking your time with yourself the way that you probably want a partner to or might want a partner to when it comes down to it? Maybe you don't have that muscle memory because you didn't take the time with yourself. But so much about touch. I think a lot, I think the main goal from physical touch is to really be in your body and experiencing the world through your body than being in your head. Mm-hmm. And that can apply to encounters with yourself, encounters with friends or family members. You know, if you get a hug from your mom, you know, mm-hmm. or a hug from your dad or a hug from a grandparent where you're held really, where you're squeezed really, really tightly and you feel like you're six again. Mm-hmm. And there's something just so restorative about that. Mm-hmm. You will not get that restorative, restorative effect if you're sort of thinking about, oh, I need to be in the car in 10 minutes. Blah, blah, blah. And the same when it comes to sex. And that's a big barrier for me when it comes to sex. And I think it's because of my complicated relationship with it being where I'm from is that with sexual encounters, I could be too much in my head and not in my body. I mean, I have the same problem. Just completely worrying about, oh my God, is this, am I doing this right? Is like what you're worried about what your body looks like. You're you're worried about what they're doing. You're worried what you're doing. And and nothing gets in the way of a fucking orgasm than your own fucking stupid brain. Oh my God, I know it. And you know what? This is a whole other topic for an entire, like I want to dive into this, but that is 
an entire topic that will be covered, like erotic blueprints yeah. and everything else. And like, if that is your your thought process, by the way, if you're sitting there being like, oh my God, that's me, go read the book, Come As You Are yeah, by Dr. Emily Nagaski. Nagaski, thank you. Yeah, go read that book. That's my best piece of advice on that. Um, well, when it comes to like love languages, if we keep it to, you know, the expression of this language is something that both the giving of it and the receiving of it, not all the time, but oftentimes, can really benefit from a little less thought and just a little bit more instinct. Leaning into the cues that your body is getting yes. from another person, from yourself. Okay, I've entered a room. I feel the need to hug someone. Does this person look like they want to be hugged? Is the atmosphere such where that would be a good thing? But it does, like, you're absolutely right. And that's a good point. And that's maybe why, remember at the beginning when I'm like, oh, maybe physical touch is somewhere in its own plain, right? Is because all the other ones you have to really think about versus like the other one is just an embodied way of just being with someone else. And like, yeah, sensing it with your body. It's how your body will show love versus how your mind shows love and how your rational thought process mm. shows love. It's it's very subconscious. It's very subconscious, which is sometimes you need to train that subconscious because it hasn't learned it itself. Or listen to it more. Yeah. Sorry. I think it is listen to yeah. it more. It's just like giving it space to come out but that's, yeah, that speaks to, you know, journeys with embodiment that I think totally. all of us are learning right now. Which is what your podcast is about, ultimately. Too, yeah. you know? And oftentimes when it comes to listening to your subconscious, your rational thought isn't a good tool to use in order to do that. And yeah. it, it is about going into your body and thinking, hang on, am I react like, am I holding tightness somewhere? Is there like a weird stomach swirling happening? do I have excitement to the tip of my fingertips? All of these can be such valuable data mm-hmm. that we can collect when it comes to our interactions with other people, the world and ourselves. Right. Like the question, like when a yes and a no, you can be felt within your body. Right. And this is yeah. a very like tantric thing. What does a yes feel like to you? Think about that. Like think about something that'd be like a fuck yes. And how does your body react to it? Like, do you get sudden fast heartbeats do you like literally open up your chest physically like how does that feel like and on the contrasting side like what does a no feel like do you kind of like step away from a person do you lean away do you like all of a sudden do you have a clenching in your like gut or in your heart like and just recognizing that so that you can like really like because your body will say yes or no before your mind does yeah in whichever thing you're saying yes or no to whether it's do you want to have sex or whether it's like do you want to drive across the country with me like your body will say yes or it no. absolutely will and I, I think we've all had this as women being in maybe intimate encounters with people and physical touch is what is demanded or is the predominant language that's being expressed between both of us both people and the, or you know two or three or four people whatever and there just might be a visceral sense in your body of no even though your mind is telling you're like oh no yes just do it just get just get it over with do whatever or like i want to do it i want mind. to do it but your body might there might just be like i don't know seizing or, or like some sort of sensation that i think bodes well to listen to in that moment if you can i'm guilty of not having done that a lot of times but it's another good but you, your body's going to keep score though. Well, so it's going to shout out the body keeps the score. Well, exactly. That like the more times you do that, and this is something I'm experiencing now and really trying to work through getting away from the fact that my body has kept score for many years without me knowing. And all of a sudden my mind is saying yes to things that my body just won't allow anymore. 
because I haven't created that safety for my body to experience it. And so that is really that disconnect that starts to happen. If you said, yeah, and I guess this, this is still physical touch, I guess we're getting into like this whole interesting discussion, but I guess more practically, if you're in a situation where you want to drop into your body to receive physical touch in a very body centric way, I know this is so basic, but take a deep breath. Mm. Like just, just take a deep breath before a hug. It, it's basic, you but it's, it's, it's the most crucial piece of advice I think you can do. Mm-hmm. Take a huge deep breath. Feel the sensation of your feet on the floor, of your bum on the seat or your hands touching something mm-hmm. and just keep breathing. The second you're like actually in the present moment, nothing matters anymore and everything's great mm-hmm. and everything's okay. Okay. That was such a lovely, I want to, I want to get to gifts. I, I don't know. Yes. We are. Yeah. We, we it's just, time. it's, it's time to get to gifts. It's time to get to the holidays. It's time to like, yeah, get to that part of it. Cause all of this is so such a wonderful discussion that again, we could keep talking about this for ages, but okay. So gifts. Yes. And is gifts your number five? Yes. Yeah. Oh, random shout out before we get to gifts on like love languages is like, sometimes you start to develop love languages that like, aren't the typical ones that like, you kind of like, I know somebody who's like, yeah, I really love like food and music Mm. or like, just like things that like, this is how they express and feel love from people. Um, so yeah, for mine, it's, um, I realized that dancing that like when I'm, and I know that's, you know, literally time spent and physical touch and all these things together, but it is like, to me, it's now recognized as like, I really receive love that way. Yeah. And like, I've had somebody like purposefully dance with me in that way, knowing that that is, and knowing that they're giving it to me for that reason. And I'm like, oh my God, this is like better than any words you could ever say to me because like, I know exactly why you're doing this. So that and photos I've also recognized is a very big, that's a lovely one. Yeah. No, and that's very, knowing you the way I do, that that's very you. Right. Like it's, it's the, it's the volunteering to take photos of like, somebody knows that I would want a photo in this situation to remember this moment. I absolutely adore photos. I like crystallization of memories, crystallization of memories, or even just like you look really good right now. And I want to capture this for you and give this to you as a gift. Like, yeah, there's that there's, and then there's me taking photos. So if I like randomly think I want a photo of this person, it's because I love them. It's because I really adore them in this moment and want to remember it. And so like, if I randomly offer to take somebody's photo, it's because I adore them. Yeah. Mine are completely different. What are yours? Food as well. I love cooking for people. Mm. I love it. And I would say like, that's obviously an act of service and can see, be seen as quality time or even a gift in a lot of ways. If you like bake someone something, but like, I just love feeding people. I'm, I guess I'm a feeder. I, I don't really care about receiving food from people, um, but I love doing it. And then another one I was thinking of was silence. So like not words. Ooh. So, you know, when you're so comfortable with someone like a friend or a partner or like your family and you can just have those comfy moments, silent moments, Mm -hmm. but then you look over to the couch and there's a look or, you know, there's a glance and it's just that kind of silence in between words or acts or gestures or whatever, where you just can feel love. That would be one for me, I think. Mm, Yes. I love that. I'm just picturing it right now. Just like that little glance between oh. people. Just like, oh, yes. Which also, like some people argue that space is a love language. I know a lot of people who would agree with that. Yeah, I do. I do too. Especially <laughs> in, especially introverts. 
<laughs> we're both having a good laugh because of our exes and we both know our exes very well I, but all, but especially with introverts just having that moment to breathe and recharge independent of your relationship or the person you're with or, or whomever you're spending time with mm-hmm. I can totally see how that's a love language right it wouldn't rank highly for me but it also would also be quality time carving out quality time for yourself true right that's like a way you're giving yourself the love but like even in the way of somebody's asked for this and you're respecting their wishes, right? Like if somebody said, Hey, I need two days. Like Mm. I need this time to myself. Please don't contact me. And you respect that wish. That's an act of love. If you respect that wish, it really is. And actually it's funny that this, a new point that I'm getting from this conversation that I haven't really thought about much is how we can express these love languages to ourselves. Yes. Right. And like, I think that was one of the articles I read in prep for this. And it's it was so like, good. And it was like, how did I not think of this? Yeah. How was that not the first thing I thought of? Like, like you can, right. Cause you can give gifts to yourself. You can give yourself words of affirmation. Mm-hmm. You can spend quality time with yourself. Mm-hmm. You can perform an act of service for yourself. You know, you can, you know, the night I classic example, the night before I go out and I know I'm going to have a raging hangover the next day, cooking myself a lovely meal that's in the fridge the next day for when I wake up. So many things. Yeah, absolutely. Taking care of yourself. I'm going to like act. walk away with that. That's going to be my learning, I think. Well, gifts. I love that. Okay. Yes. Yes. Hey, this is Editing Chris, popping in to say a few words that I feel I really need to be said but weren't. This is such a massive topic, and there really is no end to what can be said about it. And there are so many elements that can slip through the cracks here. And when it comes to gift giving, especially around the holidays, I can get a little bit cynical. And I just wanted to let you know that if I sound a little Grinch-like and ungrateful in these next few bits, that really wasn't my intention or how I ultimately feel. I'm incredibly grateful for my family and for having the privilege to exchange such lovely gifts around the holidays. And I think it's such a unique and thoughtful way that you can express love when we have the time to do so. It ultimately is the time crunch and the massive expectation of doing so many gifts at once that makes it all so hard. And I am also incredibly grateful that I have so many people in my life that love me, that want to show me love and appreciate being shown that I love them in this way at this time. I really want to highlight sustainable gift giving practices as well, such as re-gifting, gifting experiences, gifting with reusable or sustainable wrapping, and making gifts. The sustainability piece is mentioned, but not explored or highlighted in a way that really fits my personal values. And so I just wanted to shout that out loud and clear. And ultimately, what you hear is rooted in a lot of emotions running high, and I really did show my ugly side when it comes to gifts. And I'm going to keep it in here for you to listen, because I think it's valuable to air out our frustrations and share space for the uncomfortable feelings that come up, especially this time of year, because I know I'm not the only one that feels this way. It was really instructive re-listening to this conversation and hearing the negativity that came out for me and realizing that my frustration stems from an expectation that absolutely no one is responsible for and that I have the power to adjust my own personal feelings around it. One last acknowledgement of a topic that wasn't mentioned but should have been is that for some, the trouble with gifts can come from having a resistance to receiving. If that is you, you aren't alone and I would really suggest practicing receiving. And what better way to practice than by giving gifts to yourself? Practice the art and the act of receiving. Practice showing yourself love in this way and the gratitude that comes with it. And remember that a true gift does not come with an expectation of reciprocity. I hope this resonates with you and I hope you enjoy the second part of this episode on gifts. I read some statistics that put it as like the last ranked love language in the United States because that's of course the large landmass where people do surveys on this kind of stuff, not Canada, sorry. Um, Harder to find. And it, it makes total sense because 
I don't know that we fully understand gifts or like they've been twisted and turned by consumerism and capitalism into something else Mm -hmm. that we forget. And this is something I'm relearning through like being part of the like Burning Man community is gifts are just like, it's just me to you. And it's because I felt like it. And it's, there's no reciprocation. There's no demand. There's no, like, even just being like, I bought you a shot at the bar and now you need to stay with me for 15 minutes. Like, that's not how that works. You Mm -hmm. bought me a shot and that was a gift. Mm -hmm. And I'm now able to do with that what I wish Mm -hmm. and like no expectations. Yeah. Well, I think kind of what we were saying in the beginning that it is such a valid expression of love, but it's something that's just gotten so hijacked by other things. And it can also be just so loaded with reciprocity (laughs) and expectations. But that said, if we want to lean into the positivity of gifts, you remember really good gifts and not like expensive gifts or crazy gifts, but really thoughtful, meaningful. You don't forget them easily. No. And I look around my house and I go, that was from that person. And I get that like good feeling inside. And most of us only get, you know, there's only an opportunity to give that kind of gifts two or three times a year. So they are, it is a love language. And I think that's another thing. It isn't like commonly expressed. So we aren't as proficient with it, either giving it or receiving it. I guess, because sometimes it's it's hard for me. I have a lot of struggle with gift giving around the holidays. Let's, let's unpack that. Yeah. So, I mean, that's part of the reason behind wanting to do this episode is like what really comes up for me every single December is this huge resistance inside of going out and buying gifts for all of my family. And realistically, it's buying gifts for the people that I don't get to spend as much of the year with, right? I spend so much of my time with my my friends and my community, as opposed to family who lives like across my very large country, mm-hmm. again, to yeah. the geographical largeness standpoint, or like, I mean, I, I see the family that lives locally to me often, but not often enough, not as often as I see you, for example, yeah. like, And so sometimes it feels inauthentic to be like, oh, because the Christmas season should be about like giving gifts to the people who are closest to you. And so sometimes I have that thought, but even while I'm saying it, I'm like, no, like it really is an opportunity given to me once a year to show affection to those that I don't get to spend that quality time with. And so that is a point for gifts giving on the holidays. But then, yeah, like because of the commercialization of our world, I just always get this sense of like, oh my God, like there's just, there's a lot of expectation and there mm-hmm. always has been in my family in particular. I don't even, I shudder to think I'm afraid to know what happens to you. If you show up on Christmas day without presents for anyone. Yeah. Like, even if you were flat broke and everybody knows it, I feel like that is just an unacceptable thing in my family and that I would feel the deepest levels of shame. But I, I don't think your family's unique in that. I don't think, I think a lot of families are like that. It's we've all just gotten so used to that being the practice without taking a step back and looking at it a bit more critically and thinking to ourselves, okay, is there a better way where we can maybe show our love at this time of year where we're all getting together? Because, you know, for a lot of people, that's what Christmas is about or what this time of year is about. It is about getting together and carving out that time and spending it together and, and just taking stock and feeling grateful. You know, every every year I want to be like, can we just go do something? Because yeah. like, the tradition of my family is to sit around all day and like exchange gifts. And it's just like, that's, that's too much for me. That's yeah. too much of a love language that I don't speak. Yeah, totally. Like it just, but that, yes, but then it is nice. Right. And then it's like, okay, I put the effort in, I guess it's just the overwhelming amount of being like, 
I now need to do this for 14 people That's, all at the same time. Yeah. Right. Birthdays are way easier because you're thinking about one person. I find it hard to hold space for 14 people in my head while I'm in a shop. Well, and, and I think that's reflected at this time of year where we wind up with a lot of shit mm-hmm. that we don't want or don't appreciate or are going to sell on Facebook Marketplace or give away or re-gift. Okay, but shout out to re-gifting because it's the best well, and it should be done. Actually, we should we should talk about that because the last couple of Christmases, you and I, we've opted to give each other gifts of things that we've already had. So today, Chris kills all her plants and I have a lot of fake ones so I gave Chris one of my fake plants for Christmas and I remember you gave me Chris made gifts last year which I think is a lovely thing to do I do that a lot that's one of my ways to combat it Mm -hmm. but the thing is I end up spending so much time on making these gifts and even this year I'm like looking through my list of people that I'm but being being on the receiving end of one of those gifts last year that was so valuable to me because I knew the amount of time that you put into it and I knew the amount of thought that you put into it. So I don't remember what, say, my mom, don't listen to it, this, my lovely mom got me. She got me something amazing. I know she did, but I do remember what you got me. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's like, and that's, and that's why I don't want to, I don't want to shit on gifts too much. Yeah. I think there's ways that you can give, like, but equally I do want to acknowledge that, it can be so awful and stressful if you have no money or you are so pressured or you're going through a shit time or for the multitude of reasons that make going out and spending hundreds and hundreds of dollars on shit that you know people won't appreciate that, that make it make it so such a such a really heinous exercise but i think like it's good to kind of talk about ways that you can combat it like you know gifting stuff you already have and you know maybe doing that with someone that you that you know will receive that in the way it's designed in the way it's in, intended making your own gifts you know that's becoming and I, I think with sustainability being such an issue I'm happy to see that these things are like taking like on more and more of a life um, like, like one of the things for example that I thought of this year I well because the other thing too is with making gifts I like I've made a lot of candles I've made last year I've made like beeswax wraps yeah. so I took a piece of cotton and you coat it in beeswax and then you like I still have it I, right and it's it's so it's so great um stuff like that but I also feel this weird pressure of like not doing the same thing year after year so I'm like I can't just like give the same gift that I thought of last well, year why not? like my mom it, gives it's, chutneys it's just a personal thing that I always but chutneys is like yeah I don't know right because it would be totally fine but it'd be like oh you just did the same thing as last year but that's but but it's still a gift and, mm-hmm. and I don't think that should dilute the value of it I know, but again, it's it's one of those things that's in my mind. But that's also a me thing of like, oh, I can't wear this outfit again because I wore it too recently. Yeah. You know, like I have a lot of those in my mind um, that I know are limiting beliefs that I could break down. But so one of the one of the things I'm doing this year for making things, and it's like again, it's the oh, there's also this concept of it's too small, and that like it needs to be bigger, and or it needs to cost more, or it needs to have taken me more time. Yeah. And that like that is baked into it of like, so one of the pieces of the gifts I hope to give this year is I'm going to make my own cacao mixes. Gorgeous. Right. And like put it in these little glass tins because I make my own cacao mix in the morning with certain spices. And I think it's great. And I went to the grocery store and like you see all these like sugar filled 
like hot chocolate mixes. And I'm like, these are all bullshit. Like I know that mine is like amazing. And so I'm going to give that with like, hopefully I can like layer it or something in the jar. So it looks all pretty. Spoiler alert for anyone. Yeah. A gift from Chris Hall. <laughs> but like that's, that's one of the things I decided to do this year. And it like came to the idea. Right. And I love it. But there is this, like, I can't like for whatever reason, I cannot show up at Christmas day with only that. That is not enough. Mm. and that has been taught to me mm. that has been taught through many Christmases of just this feeling that it needs to be a little bit more mm. and that feels gross too mm. that feels well, I'm glad you're talking about it though because I'm sure so many people will have a similar reaction to that maybe that's the predominant style of gift giving in their family and it might be something that they have discomfort around Mm -hmm. and it's you know that I don't know if that's something that we can ever fix overnight but it's a good thing to be aware of and maybe it's a good thing to have you never quite know who in your family is feeling a particular way about something maybe it's something that you can talk to people about and just say hey like what what do you think about this is there scope for maybe a different way of doing things yeah also shout out to giving experiences I they're my they're my predominant way of giving gifts right because you get to give the gift of spending time yeah and it's perfect if I'm buying like a big gift for someone that's what I'll buy like I bought my mom a zipline for her 60th amazing and then she hated it like five minutes before she or five seconds before she was about to go down she looked at me and I could tell that it was the worst gift I've ever given her (laughs) but afterwards it was absolutely fine or you know another thing we do in my family which we've over um over the years maybe because our family is just so humongous again irish we've had to get creative because we we were just buying 60 presents a year and it was just too much so no one gets a present after they're 18 and then if you're over 18 you were we do like a secret santa type situation where there's a cost limit it's like no more than 20 dollars. it's deliberately kept really really low and you have to buy like a good present, what you think is a good present, not for anyone in particular, but what you think is a good present. And you put, we put them all in a bin bag and then we pull names out of a hat and whoever. Isn't this like Bad Santa? It's kind of like Bad Santa and you pick it out and then you get one swap. And it's a really fun game because you never know what the hot present is going to be. Last year, the hot present was a fucking bird feeder. (laughs) It was a bird feeder. I think I've, I've gotten like a really nice luggage tag for like a suitcase or something. I think that was like my contribution. No one wanted that. Everyone wanted the bird feeder. Everyone wants bird feeder, but like, yeah. So, but there's like a lot of scope, but it, it's, it can just be like so much fun. So there are creative ways of getting around it, but I think it's, you know, if you're not there yet or your family are the type where it's just pretty non-negotiable, you can, you can hold both those things. You can, I, th- I still think you should give your cacao mixes. Oh, I still will. That's the thing though, is that I will then go spend all this time making like these personalized not actually not even personalized because it's something that usually works across the board. So I'll do something like very crafty mm-hmm. and then I'll give that to everyone in addition to something else. So that's the thing. I kind of just start piling on more and more and more because it always feels like, oh, but that wasn't enough. Oh, but that's not quite enough. And for some reason, there's this artificial circle put around what feels like enough mm. of a gift. And as I get older, it just gets worse because I feel like I'm expected to spend more money. Yeah. Right. Because like, bless them. My family give amazing gifts. I don't think that they hold this expectation, but they, they, I don't believe they do either. Probably not. But there, there was a couple exceptions within my family of people who like, 
that gift giving is a higher love language for them. Mm-hmm. And they've been taught that. And and I don't think folks listening whose predominant love language is gifts, I don't think they should be shamed by this. No. Like, and if anything, I do think it's such an impactful language. I've got I've a good idea. Name one gift that just stands out in your mind as an amazing gift that you got. I mean, there's I'm literally sitting in my apartment surrounded by them. Like I look at that pillow and that was given to me by an ex, but like it was really like it was made by his sister who has like a pillow making business and he purposely made me a pillow that looks like R2D2 or he had commissioned one from his sister. Fantastic. Because he knew how much I love Star Wars, like that kind of thing. Or like um even just like the plant that you gave me that was perfectly it wasn't just a plant, it was a plant that was very hard to kill, which I really appreciate. <laughs> and like Eden had thought out what I needed in a plant and had given this to me as a housewarming gift, which was absolutely special. Or like, but then again, like on the other side of the spectrum, like one of the most amazing gifts I got from like Aaron in my past relationship was a satellite phone, which is a huge gift, but it was just like such a huge like step towards the adventures that we wanted to have. Yeah. So yeah, those are like the three ones that come to mind, like right at the second of just right. Like, and I, so like, right. Like you do love gifts. We should, is... ce- we should celebrate them. But I, I, I think Christmas makes it tricky. Christmas makes it tricky. It gives you an enormously amazing opportunity, but it just kind of, it kind of somehow seems to spring up on you every year. It does. It does. And just smack you in the face and go, oh shit. It does. But I, I, re- I recall actually in 2020, I think it was, I hadn't seen my family all year. So the only way that I could really express my love for them was by the presents that I sent them this that Christmas. And I put so much thought into it, but I actually got, I realized how much joy I got out of giving it to them of like finding my sister a bracelet that I knew she'd love that she still wears now. And every time I see it on her wrist, I just feel thrilled, right. you know, or me and my grandma, like love reading. We always recommend each other books. So I sent her a bunch of books from like my favorite Canadian authors. You know, I love Alice Munro. And then just getting the text from her going, oh, I love Alice Munro now. Like, you know, that yeah. can just really be so impactful. But I but I think maybe because it was such a quiet year in terms of activities, there was more space to devote. There was more time and space to devote to that kind of exercise where everything hits quite right in terms of, what I selected, what I've given, how it's received. It's never like that the rest of the time. Usually it's a bit more stressful. Yeah. I really do think it comes down to the time crunch of like having all these people's birthdays basically happen all at the same time, Uh, which like you don't actually. Okay. So another important point to hit on the gift giving is something that we brought up earlier this week when we ended up talking around this topic was when you all of a sudden have an expectation around a gift, especially when it comes to a partner Mm. and especially when it comes to, and for both of us, we experienced this where like, we're not gift people, but then all of a sudden we had been shown through like media for so long about like getting gifts from a partner at Christmas or at your birthday. So we were unable to escape that in our mind of like, I really want this from this person. Mm -hmm. Right. And so like, again, we're kind of, it's, or I want the experience of getting an amazing gift from, and, and yeah, and it just puts so much pressure on something that is 
should be non-reciprocal. Should be and shouldn't be expected. The same way as we can't say, hey, I want an act of service right now. Or hey, like, you know, like touch, you know. Right, like I need you to touch me right now. It's like, that's not how that works. No. You can touch them and hope they touch you back, I guess. Yeah, but but it is like, we do get fucked up by, you know, things like social media and like movies and stuff and, and TV shows where we see someone we know or someone we don't know, like a, a fictional character being on the receiving end of this really thoughtful gift. And just, you can, you can, you can almost experience their joy as a byproduct of your own. You're like, oh my God, imagine that. Mm-hmm. And especially like, I think the story I was telling you was I was newly in a relationship and it was our, it was our first Christmas together and I'd been single for so long. So I hadn't gotten a Christmas present from a romantic partner before. And I was so excited and I didn't help the situation. Like my partner at the time was very much like, oh, what can I get you? And I was not helping him whatsoever. I was like, oh, get me whatever. I'm not a gift person. Like whatever you think, like, which is completely unhelpful. Um, Especially because in your heart, because you were like, but really... also because I was, I, I had an expectation of getting an amazing gift but I wanted him to come up with it all on his own. And I wanted it to be a complete surprise. What the fuck was I thinking? <laughs> like that is completely unrealistic expectations. unrealistic expectations, but I really did allow myself to get completely swept. And it, it really, it was a situation that, that I laugh about now, but at the time completely fell on its ass. Like he wound up picking out really, really daft things well they were see they were all so thoughtful but I didn't want any of them and they didn't meet my expectations because they never would in that scenario because once you have expectations you, they can't be met yeah and I wound up I wound up having this reaction where, where I actually found myself getting upset and I I've never gotten upset over a gift before and I was so fucking annoyed at myself because I just thought I was so ungrateful and I think in that point if gift giving is your love language that's why it's really helpful to have have these as a tool so that you can explain to someone, listen, if I freak out about a gift, it's not because I'm ungrateful. It's not because I don't appreciate it. It's because it's my love language. It's, it's the expression of love that I receive best. So where there's thought there or where, you know, that that's something that can be really impactful and where I get the sense that there hasn't been a lot of thought or it's something that's fallen on its face, you know, I might have, I might have a reaction that I'm proud of, but how can I help you meet me in the middle? Exactly. I, well, okay. I have two thoughts. One is like the same way we can be like, when I'm sick, I would love acts of service or when I'm, when we're in conflict, I need words of affirmation. The same way you can say like on my birthdays and on Christmas, I receive love best through gifts. Yes, I would right? love a, I would love a really thoughtful gift. It, exactly. Yeah. And it doesn't like, have to be expensive. It does, and that does not mean expensive, right? Yeah. Like, and the thought of a good gift is an expensive gift. Those things don't correlate at no. all, but they have been put together in a lot of people's minds, which is kind of unfortunate. And like, that is something we all kind of have to deconstruct on our own. But the other side of it is like being able to say, I would love for you to show me affection on this day. It is your choice how you do this. And I really want to let it, but let it be known that it's important to you that you receive affection mm-hmm. on these certain special days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or like I once, I was really proud of myself for the way I worded it too. Cause it was the first time it really came up this way. It was probably about a year ago and I was in a relationship and well, with a romantic partner that's, and we all have relationships with everybody everywhere, but there was something that wasn't being met And I very calmly, like not in a moment of conflict, not in a moment where it was being contested, was able to just say, 
hey, so this is how I've been feeling. This is what I need. This is what I would like. And would you be able, would you be willing to think through how you can help me with this or how you can mm-hmm. show up for me in this way. Mm-hmm. And he was just really, really grateful at that. And was all of a sudden like, okay, yeah, thank you. And then like, I gave him the time and space that he needed to think through that. And then he came up with his own answer. But I, you know, I think that's such a good thing for everyone to hear in the sense of we all speak different languages. We all communicate in different ways. We all express love in different ways. The byproduct of that means that we have certain expectations mm-hmm. or ideas in our head as to how things go. But we're not in relationships with ourselves. We're in relationships with other people. The best thing that you can do with that is communicate to the, or let them know, this is the language I speak. This is the language I express love in. This is the language that works best with me when I'm feeling X, Y, Z. You know, you don't have to expect that from the person because they have their own means of expression. But what harm is it in them knowing that? And then also allowing yourself to be completely flexible mm-hmm. and removing that. And then I, you know, lived with lived with a man who wasn't a big words of affirmation person, but acts of service was unconscious was it was it was just an unconscious thing that he did all the time Mm -hmm. and I think that's kind of why it's so high on my list at the moment so what like and it goes to okay I'm not hearing that I love you now I might really need to hear it but for whatever reason it's not coming what other expressions of love are visible in the scenario that I'm in how can I appreciate them how can I be grateful for them how can I value them and cherish them and honor them absolutely and like, it's, it's the same way as like, let's say that one of you speaks French really well and one of you speaks English really well. Yeah. And, but like, you both understand the other one and you both can speak and comprehend it. And it's the same way of saying like, I understand what you're trying to say when you say it in French, but ultimately I'm going to hear and digest and really internalize it more if you speak to me in English. Totally. Or you could also say, okay, I'm fluent in English. I know fuck all French, but my God, is it a sexy language. Right. And I'm just going to appreciate it. Right. Oh, yes. Okay. I mean, that feels very conclusional. Is there anything else you'd like to speak to about the love languages? The lack of thought. I think lack, maybe not overthinking as much. A lot of human expression is subconscious. It's it's muscle memory, it's instinct. I think leaning into that where possible can be a really beautiful way of inhabiting who you truly are and how you interact with not just yourself, but other humans in the world. Absolutely. I'd say that just eliminating or trying your best to not have expectations around it. Yeah, absolutely. And that, yeah, letting them express the way that they need to and just ask for what you want mm-hmm. cuz you're never going to receive it if you don't ask for it. And so even in the way of like your example of lovely with the gift of just like I just said oh I'm not really a gift person. In this moment you are a gift person. Yeah. Admitting it to yourself, being able to be honest with your partner that that's true for you, that it's important to you and still not having any expectation but at least letting them know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, that's a uh, Okay, so before we wrap up, I, we never got to the eggnog. So we're going to have a quick eggnog tasting. Christmas toast. We're going to, we want to review the different eggnogs for you. So this one is Jameson and coconut. Mm-hmm. Delish. So good. Okay. I want to say the coconut is 
I'm not a foodie at all. I'm like <laughs> trying to do this. It's very light. It's not as heavy. Happy Christmas, my gorgeous Cheers. girl. Cheers. Oh, there's just a lot of whiskey in this in this oh, time. sorry. I like the oatnog though. Oh, I do. It's like, all right, so the coconut was like thicker, but oat is like sweeter. And this time we've paired oatnog with the Canadian Crown Royal whiskey. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I think I liked the other one better though. I think I think I prefer the coconut. The coconut is just okay. So I'm I'm glad I can stick with my classic yeah. that I always get. I um yeah I have this the second there's eggnog in stores I'm buying it every single week um as my personal treat to she myself. She treats herself once a week with eggnog in the summer, and that's my I gift only learned to that myself, and that's your gift to yourself. <laughs> All right, and on that note. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, happy Hanukkah, happy winter solstice. Don't let the gift given get you down. And with that, we come to the end of this episode of Reclaim Your Radiance. Thank you so much for listening in. If you enjoyed this episode and came away with some valuable insights, the absolute best way you can show your support and appreciation is by sharing it with your friends or on social media. Your support is absolutely invaluable. To connect, find us on Instagram at Hell of a Hall or on TikTok at Reclaim Your Radiance. Or you can sign up for our mailing list to receive bonus content and stay in touch with what's happening in the world of Reclaim Your Radiance, including local workshops, retreats, self-love courses, personal one-on-one coaching, and so much more. Head on over to the episode notes in the show description to find those links, and we hope to hear from you soon. All right, everyone, until next time, stay radiant. Stay radiant.